The Walk the Mile podcast is produced on Gadigal land. I acknowledge the traditional owners of the land on which Skeg Starlinghurst stands, the Gadigal people of the Eora Nation, and pay my respects to Elders past and present. May our reconciliation be an ongoing process of love and compassion. Hello everyone, I'm Gary Lee Lindsay, school chaplain at Skeggs Darlinghurst, and you're listening to Walk the Mile, a podcast that opens up conversations that we need to have. Good to have you with us again. Welcome back to Walk the Mile, or welcome to Walk the Mile if it's the first time you've listened to this. Today, uh, we're talking in the context of the environment because a couple of weeks ago, it was World Environment Day on the 5th of June, on a Sunday, and we've been talking about things here in terms of what we can do for our environment. Uh, and we've had an assembly, I've been talking about it in chapel, and it's something that we want to keep the conversation going with the, as, a, as a school, but also for our kids, our students to, as they, I guess as they leave school as well, to have that mindset. So today I'm here with Laura Tennant, who's our, one of our year six teachers. How are you, Laura? I'm good, thanks. How are you? Very well, thank you. And Laura, you do quite a bit in the primary school, or do you oversee, would you say you oversee a lot of the environmental projects that go on in the primary school? Yes, so Diane Jackson and myself run the Enviro Girls, um, and we've been doing it for a few years. So yes, both of us oversee it together. Great, thank you. And Diane's a science teacher. Correct. As well. And Sue Zipfinger, who's been here for quite a while, (laughs) his role has changed recently. What's your role now, Sue? I'm the sustainability coordinator at right. the moment. Yeah. The sustainability coordinator. Mm-hmm. And that's pretty cool, isn't it, to think that we've got that far as a school to have someone employed to have that role. I think it's very exciting because I think there's a lot that we can do yeah. with sustainability and moving the school forward as well as moving our students forward with that as well. Right. Mm. Because I guess we know a lot of things, don't we? We know to recycle. We know... You know, save water, turn off lights, a whole range of things about knowing things. But to have someone in a position like both of you, to have, have people in certain positions to either initiate things or remind people to encourage that sort of practice, it's different, isn't it, than just say a poster which says recycle. Would you say so? Definitely, yeah. I think sometimes... Um, the girls need to be reminded by the teachers doing it themselves as well as seeing the, um, you know, the leaders of the primary school, so the year six doing it themselves and the Enviro girls doing it themselves. It's more powerful than just a poster or a quick reminder. Yeah. And what are some of the things that, well, starting with you, Laura, what are some of the things that you think are important with the primary school girls that you try to encourage on a fairly constant basis? I think having the passion the environment and wanting to have a sustainable lifestyle is 
for me probably the most important thing and I think everything else falls into place if we manage to get that. Um, we'd love for sorting of the rubbish bins to be perfected but um, it is something we have been working on for a few years now yeah. and unfortunately COVID has put a bit of a dampener in that. Um, but I think, yeah, figuring out the waste and making sure that we are getting to a 0% waste target, which um, we're hopefully working towards, would be wonderful. Mm -hmm. um, but I think, yeah, having the girls to be educated about their environment, to know how they can help and to be passionate about making changes in their life. And I would love to see that passion extend towards their families and the outer community. So we are constantly yeah. building yeah. these educated, passionate students that want to make changes in the world, whether it's small changes, you know, putting the right rubbish in the right bin or bigger changes further forward. Yeah. How do you, how do you instill that passion? Because there's, you know, in a community of over a thousand people, mm. There's a whole bunch of different passions. <laughs> it is. And it, yeah, it is a hard thing to do because, you know, we're fortunate enough in this school that there are so many activities that the girls can do and so many areas that they want to focus on. Um, but I think constantly having reminders like World Environment Day, um, you know, Toasty Tuesday, which we often have in August and, you know, those reminders, whether it's a day or a week, mm. to be able to educate the girls and to show them facts about what's going on in the world and what's changed and... Um, but then also give them options of what they can do to, you know, whether it's small or big steps, you know, as simple as um, donating to a charity or um, recycling their school uniform so yeah. someone else can buy second hand or, you know, that those things do make a difference. And yeah. I think once they realise a tiny little thing makes a big difference to yeah. somebody, they're more willing to do those things. And have you seen that, like I'm thinking, I, I, I know when I teach kindergarten and, they, and they're quite excited about... Mm you know, sustainability. They wouldn't be able to call it sustainability, mm. but just, you know, making sure that they don't bring food in in wrappers or whatever it might be. Do you think that they get it? Do you think that they understand what they're, what they're addressing or what it's been? To a different level. I have mm. seen some of the kindergarten girls um, walking on the playground picking up rubbish, mm. and it is beautiful to see. And they... I think they understand that you know the piece of rubbish going into the environment is a bad thing and that it can affect the plants and animals but it's obviously a different understanding than say the year six girls yeah, and the 12 sure. girls so I think they do understand but to a different level yeah and how do you see it Sue in terms of in the high school I mean I know that you're looking at sustainability across the whole school but you're positioned up here and you've worked a lot with high school students do you think there's a different perspective or even a different enthusiasm about about yeah. the environment. Yeah, look, I, I'd agree with that. Um, it's, it's, it's really interesting because in the primary school, they've got some really passionate Year 6 girls. Right. And I think when they come into Year 7, there is so much going on in Year 7. I don't think they are as passionate. They don't actually join our Mayorma environment group. But by the time they get to about Year 9, that's when we have our biggest group of girls, 9, 10, right. 11 and 12. Yeah. Um, and I think Year 7s and 8s are finding their feet in, in the, the secondary school. Yeah. Uh, we do have a, a few Year 7s who do contribute, um, but generally it's more of our older kids. Um, our older girls would probably have a, a bigger understanding of the impact of the environment. I think quite a number of our secondary girls would probably have what you would call um, 
eco-anxiety because yeah. they really are very concerned about yeah. what type of world they're going to end up with. Um, I read I, a, oh, yeah. Sorry, you go. No, no, go. I read a, st- a statistic uh, in the news on the weekend which said four out of five kids are worried about climate change, are worried about the environment. Mm. And um, Yeah, mm. and like kids from 12 to 16, mm. which, you know, they surveyed, I don't know how many thousand kids they surveyed, but I think that is, a, I think what you're saying is right. I think a lot of kids are looking at their future. It's not just about what job they're going to get or where they're going to live, but also what sort of world are they going to be living in mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I totally agree with that. Um, and, and, and one of the things with, with the girls is that they, they want to do the right thing. They don't necessarily always know what the right thing is. Yeah, right. Um, and they're looking for bigger solutions. However, I do, I do strongly believe technology is going to get us there in the end. And, and this generation are actually going to have the way with all to do that. Mm. Um, I mean, there's lots of good things going on. For example, there's um, the this Powerhouse Museum is running a, a series at the moment, which is um, uh, 100 Climate Conversations, which will be against your podcast. But uh, So they're interviewing um, innovative young people, old people, who are doing great things for the environment, mm. just, you know, and, and they go for about 20, 20 to 30 minutes. And there's lots of really great things that are actually going on. And we need to get more of that information yeah. out to, to people to say, you know, there are things happening. Um, you know, governments need to act, you know, whether it's our Labor government or our Liberal government, National Party government. Governments actually need to start really taking this on board and, and, and sticking to commitments. So do you think in terms of, like what you're talking about in terms of progress and how people are thinking and the progress within technology as well, that that can actually change the way that we treat our world. Because I know, you know, when I was growing up, Sunday afternoons, we take all the rubbish out to the incinerator and <laughs> light a match and mm-hmm. watch it go and didn't think anything about it because you could smell it in the air, everyone else's mm-hmm. smoke in the air. Yeah. Obviously, we progr- we've, we've made some progress. We talked about pollution. I mean, pollution was throwing your rubbish on the ground, but that was about it. Mm. Uh, but, you know, there has been some progress in awareness. I guess that's what you're saying, isn't it? In awareness of, of what we're doing, uh, how we're affecting the climate, all of that. Mm. Do you think progress can, as you see the world progress in those areas, is that going to change somehow uh, the way we address the, envi- the environment? I think it can. When you talked about when you were a child, I remembered the whole, you know, throw the plastic bag away. And yeah. it was just, it's in the bin and you throw it away. But, mm. you know, this generation now asks that question of, but where is a way? And when I was a child, you never asked that question. Mm. And I think a lot has changed yeah. in the mindset of people from when I was a child and I'm sure even the generation before. And so I think progress definitely can be made. But I think as Miss Sitfinger said, We've got to get everyone on board. It's not just good enough for an individual or a small area to be on board. You have to get the governments and the companies and the, you know, it has to be big scale. And there is such a capability of resources out there. You know, in Australia, we have access to solar and wind and hydro and so many amazing renewables, but we need to make sure that we're building the right infrastructure to be able to Mm. take that energy to be able to use it. And we need 
yeah, the big companies and governments to be on board for that. So I think there definitely is room for progress. Yeah. And I think the mindset has absolutely changed. Mm. Okay. Just, just thinking on, on what you said about plastic, it, it's interesting because we've just got the new ban on plastics in New South Wales. Now, yeah, that they, they have banned certain plastics. However, the bags you use in a deli are not banned. The bags you use that people right. might be in a fruit shop to put their They're snow peas in or whatever, or whatever are not banned. Right. And there's no, no plan for that to be banned in the near future. Okay. So... What we really need to look at is how can we be sustainable without it being a pain for everybody, mm. but those bags, how many of those end up in red cycle? Mm. It's, it's, I think it's, don't quote me, but I think it might be about 30% of those types of plastics go to red cycle. So in terms of those things, and uh, you're talking about, we're talking about progress, and Laura, you talked about how um, things like wind and and so on, there's so much that's accessible. What stops people, do you think? The people looking for loopholes, I guess, to avoid... It, it's hard being environmentally friendly. Now, for example, at home, all the metal, if I'm chucking out metal, I, I keep it all together until I've got enough of it, and then I take it to a metal recycler place. It is an awful lot easier just to chuck it all in the landfill yeah. bin. So so it is hard. One has to make conscious decisions. It's a bit like, if I don't have my keep cup with me, will I go and get that coffee yeah. cup of coffee? You know, that short-term inconvenience yeah. is actually having an impact on the whole planet. And it's yeah. only a small thing. It's yeah. a very small thing. But um, yeah. does that answer? No, I think, uh, I think you've, you've hit the nail on the head. Convenience does it, yeah. have yeah. a big impact, doesn't it? We have a, a compost bin outside and we have a bucket, a compost bucket inside. We put all our you know, scraps in. And that got broken the other day. <laughs> anyway, while we're waiting, we ordered a new one, the bucket for inside. But while we're waiting, what do we do with the scraps? Just put it straight oh, into the bin. Yeah, straight in the bin. <laughs> but, but again, composting is hard work. I've yeah. had a compost bin and I've only, after about a year and a half, has, have managed to actually get some soil out of it because I didn't have enough water, I didn't have enough leaves, I just had the... Yeah. You know, it's, it's hard work. Yeah. yeah. So it's just it's easy, isn't it? I think it's life is work. so busy for so mm. many people yeah. these days that to spend that extra time thinking about that extra thing, like the keep mm. cup or the... Mm. You know, it's really hard. But on top of it as well, cost. You yeah. know, if it's going to cost less to buy things that are, you know not as environmentally friendly then people might also take those options too yeah yeah but it's true isn't it but the, it's that easiness or that some might call laziness yes which creates this because we want things mm. we want them quickly because we're busy mm-hmm. we consume whatever we can and then we just dispose of it however we can because we're just too busy to consider And just want to get rid of it. And it's mm-hmm. in retrospect, look back and go, uh-oh, this is what's happened. Mm-hmm. Maybe we should have made different decisions. And you, I mean, you see it in the classrooms as well, you know. You look in the garbage bin in the classrooms and there's a soft plastic wrapper and it would just take 30 seconds to walk to the yellow bin to put it in there. But yeah. it's so much easier to put it in what's right in front of you. Would you say then that the environmental crisis... It's as called an environmental emergency, actually. Now. Environmental That's emergency. the latest terminology I heard at a lecture okay. the other night, the 
Yeah. Okay, so emergency. we have to be careful of the mm. terminology we use. Mm. The environmental emergency, do you think it's connected to uh, living complex lives? Because I think if we live simpler lives, how do we do this? Because I'm just thinking now as we're talking, it's, it's almost like we've not just created the environmental problem, but we've mm. sort of created a, a whole living problem. Mm. And, the, the, and things suffer, such as the environment, such as sometimes our relationships with other people, such as our own physical health. Is it, is it bigger than just an attitude or just about remembering what we should, the actions we should take, but is it more a lifestyle? I definitely see some truth in that. I think if you look back to the Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people who were in this country originally, they lived a very simple life yeah. and they didn't need everything that we feel that we need and the land was looked after in an amazing way and today, us humans, human nature is to want more. You know, you have a mobile phone, you want the better version and you have a pair of sneakers but it's not the best or the newest or the... You know, so we're constantly trying to buy more and make more and then with that becomes the manufacturing and then you know the um, companies and the um, pollution that gets let out into the atmosphere I think it's all connected because we're always wanting to have more I think if we did simplify and just take it back a bit then I'm sure it would end up like that mm. yeah, just so no, I agree with you Laura um, you know when you say the Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islanders, I, I always remember hearing something about we should all just care for the land. And I, and I think in a way at Skeggs we're trying to do that a little bit more than we did in the past so that we, we are trying to to increase our biodiversity at the school um, and and have more nice places for kids in, in the playground um, and, you know, just really be conscious of what we're actually doing. Mm. Does that...? Yeah. Yeah. What, what are some like big school things that, that you're doing? So, uh, Laura, you talked about the clubs that mm. you run. We talked when Sue mm. talked about my armour. Mm. What, what, are, what are some of the big school things we're doing in terms of looking at our waste, mm. trying to reduce that? How, how, do you, how do you do that? So well, Sue and I also attend a sustainability meeting and we attend it uh, once a fortnight and we do look at a lot of those things. So some of the things we've looked at are you know, paper, how much paper we're using as a school and uh, what types of paper and the photocopying. Mm -hmm. uh, we've looked at things like the uniforms, um, trying to use a lot more second-hand uniforms. And also, instead of our uniforms just going to charity or landfill, they're now being shredded properly so mm -hmm. that they everything gets taken apart from the buttons, zippers reused, and then it's made into other, other goods. Um, and the other thing that the school's had for quite a number of years is a PPA where our power is coming from solar and from wind and we don't need to take too much off the grid very often. So, you know, we're well ahead with that. But still we're using quite a lot of power and that was part of what Toasty Tuesday was about, to look at how could we use the power mm. uh, or use less power if we were conscious about what we were doing. Um, other big things is um, e even thinking about how we procure our items you know our companies that we are buying things from are they environmentally friendly yeah. are they doing the right thing yeah. um, disposing of things we no longer want so yeah. for example when we were getting rid of some furniture about two years ago it actually went to 
be um, used by other people rather than going to landfill. So we're yeah. making conscious decisions about that, looking even at things like our computer bags. How much plastic do we need to have in them? When they had all the fabric, they could then be recycled. Yeah. So yeah. it's, it's that, the bigger picture of a whole range of things. The, is it important to have that environmental question in, in every decision we do, every decision we make? Like, because sometimes it might be, yeah, this is okay. You know, I think we're making a good decision here for, for the environment. But uh, on other occasions, it might not be so. I think that's something we're still working on, mm -hmm. is trying to have that as a very forefront mm -hmm. of an idea. Everything we do, you know, whether it's a festival or a celebration, you know, year 12 graduating, or mm -hmm. whether it's, you know, year six pizza party at the end of the year or whatever it is mm. trying to put that question at the forefront and thinking is this a, st a sustainable way to do it is this an environmentally friendly way yeah. and if not is there a better way that we can do it yeah mm. yeah no i like that idea mm. I, I, I like that idea too sue when you're talking about um where we're purchasing things from because i think sometimes we think of environmental issues as i'm doing this or maybe our environment, environmental actions, I'm doing this for future generations. And I think we think, you know, our children or our grandchildren, and, mm -hmm. you know, just those, those people are connected to us. But would you say that the decisions we make about our environment have a greater sort of global impact? You know, I was reading somewhere that the those countries, the developing countries, that have the least impact on the on global warming, mm. they are the ones who suffer the most from illnesses because of global warming. That's correct. You know, yeah. and so even and so we have the resources to, if we get those illnesses, mm. to be treated, to be healed in that way. Whereas a lot of those people, they don't have the, and, the resources. And we were also very lucky. I mean, um, in that we, for want of a better word, developed first. So we were the ones who used all the coal resources, the Industrial Revolution, whatever, um, and have not allowed the other countries to develop. Mm. We have done most of the polluting. And so I think we have got a moral obligation mm. to help those countries out. And there's got to be an equity about it. And it's the same as with you were saying with the, the cost of solar power and things like that. There's, there's got to be equity for mm. people. There are a lot of people doing it very tough at the moment. And solar power is not on their radar at all. And I can understand that. But there's got to be a way that we can work out to make that more equitable across our society yeah. as well and yeah. across countries that do not have the power to do that. That's right. Well, remember when we used to have the schools in Uganda and we mm. gave them some money to get solar mm. panels mm. To, to run the electricity mm. there because they had no electricity at all. Mm. Like mm. there was no way they could have electricity. Mm. No, it's true. Gave them solar panels mm. and they got stolen yeah. <laughs> off oh. the roof. Yeah, yeah. But they can't afford it. So we had to fund to get these panels mm. And yeah, so without other aid or other mm. help in that way, mm. there's no way of you know no way of being able to practice that mm. way. And a lot of those countries are also suffering with drought and climate change as well, mm. and lack of crops and yeah. That's right. 
So, in terms of Australia, how how are we? How do both of you think we're doing in terms of the environment? Well, Australia has a pretty appalling record. We're very low on the list of countries that are doing something, and one million women uh, just put out a thing the other day saying that if we continue, if the world population continue to live the way we are at the moment in Australia, we'd need four and a half Earths to sustain wow. what we what we are consuming in Australia. Right. Mm. And we, what is, can you sort of explain that a bit further? So was that, does that mean that we need four and a half Earths to hold have enough, much? Have enough resources right. to support what we are doing the way that we live in Australia, um, we are not doing enough for, um, well, coal obviously is, is a big problem and that's where we get a lot of our money, but we export that all off overseas, so that creates a problem overseas. Right. Um, what else? Uh, we consume too much mm-hmm. and, um, yeah, we just use too many resources generally. So do you think things have got better here or...? Do you think that... Oh, that's a tough question. That is a tough one. I don't... don't, It's hard to gauge. I I don't really know. I guess that's a a tough question in itself. How do you gauge when sustainability is moving forward? Because you can have... So we can have a whole bunch of bins that, you know, we recycle and put our our food products in. and, And so that looks good. But how do you gauge when it's actually making a difference? You actually need to... The recycling is the very last bit of the process. Okay. You actually really think about what are you actually using. So, right. for example, in the cafeteria now, we've said girls can bring their own containers instead of using a compostable container. Now, if girls brought their own containers to put the food in, then you are thinking about, I don't need that compostable container. Yeah. So it, it comes back to what you're actually using before you even get to the recycling, if that makes sense. So we're talking about that before, Mm. you know, just the convenience of things. And the mindset as well, linking, you know, when you go shopping, do I need another black jumper? It's not all about when I'm done with the black jumper to put it in the clothing bin so someone else can use it, but do I actually have to purchase it in the first place? So it needs a bit of planning. Definitely. To To be environmentally friendly, we need to stop... And coming back to your point again, Laura, because we're so busy, mm-hmm. do you think that's a fair excuse, though? I think it's an excuse. Right. I'm not... I'm, yeah, a fair excuse is a hard thing to mm. consider. I do think people have busy lives, but at the same time, to try and live more sustainably in one area is one step. To try and do it in many areas is really quite challenging. But if you make one step at a time, mm. whether it's taking produce bags to the supermarket or not driving and walking, focus on one thing. Once you've nailed that, you focus on the next thing. Bit by bit, it becomes more of a habit. And I think that that's mm. something we've talked about a lot of, is breaking those habits. Yeah. But if you're trying to change your entire life and buy cleaning products that are sustainable and buy environmentally friendly um, IT resources and all of those things it becomes very overwhelming and tricky but Mm. i think one thing at a time one goal at a time constantly improving Mm. i think is the best way to do it and an example of that is plastic free july is coming up now they're not saying going plastic free the whole way just choose one thing that you think you can change in your life that you're not going to actually purchase the Mm. plastic so it could even be down to 
I am not buying um, uh, washing powder in a plastic container. I'm going to buy it in a box. Um, so it's those small things and then you can build it up later on when you're comfortable with that. And I know it's a very slow process, but it just changes your mindset of doing things. Yeah. Mm. And it's a sacrifice too, isn't it? So in some areas, <coughs> you have to make certain sacrifices. Mm. But the power of influence as well. Mm. So if someone, so I know my family members have been a big influence on me and I've watched <coughs> them make little steps in their life mm. and I've seen how easy those little steps are and so I've followed in their footsteps and I know that I've been that person for a few people in my life. So Great. making those little steps is not just about you. You can actually yeah. impact the people around yeah. you yeah. as well. And, and, and you can achieve a lot with the community, like you've achieved a lot with your family mm. by all banding together, sharing ideas mm. and mm. keeping everybody on track. It, it's much easier to, to get somewhere with, with a, a support. I was going to ask you that mm. question. When Can you pinpoint a time in your life where you thought, I need to get on this wagon, <laughs> I need to do something about this, or has it always been something that's been important to you? Mine is more clear cut. I think it's always been important to me, but approximately three years ago was the turning point and there was a lot in the media, there was a lot going on nationally right. um, and that was the turning point where I wanted change and I thought I remember talking to my brother and he said to me, if you want change you need to do it yourself and so that was the point where I decided to cut down on my meat eating and look at the cleaning products in my house and think about composting and all of those things and again sourced out information from my family but really made big changes mm. that was just more than not buying a punnet of berries because they come in plastic and really trying to change my lifestyle and it has been hard work yeah but i was going to say is, how hard was it it initially it was hard i remember talking to my sister-in-law and she we went through the entire house of all the cleaning products and i thought goodness me, do I have to invest in all of these things? But it's things that I didn't think about necessarily before. Mm. But now it's become a habit. Now it's just my lifestyle and I do. know what to buy and I know what not to buy. And I've changed my mindset on shopping and clothes shopping and all of those things. And it does, does get easier, mm. a lot easier. But it is, it's a hard thing to start with. And that's why I was saying one goal at a time would be good. Mm. But yeah, it's worth it. It's definitely worth it in the end. Great. What about you, Sue? Um, I think it was probably my children when they were in year six at school. Right. They obviously had something in their classroom and they said to me, why aren't we, why do we buy this or, you know, something like that? And then that just set all of us on that mm. trajectory. Um, you know, um, we eat much less meat now because that's one of the big things that you can do. Um, we have thought, well... <laughs> One of my daughter's other ideas was that we'd have chickens so we had eggs and didn't have to buy the eggs. But, um, yeah, that still got one chicken. Um, <laughs> uh, you know, we, we, she was also the one who pushed us having the native bees and then planting things in the garden for birds. Um, and then in regards to what we do in our own lives, we often go to second-hand shops to buy things, think twice before... You know, I buy mm. another article of clothes. Do I really need this? What have mm. I got? What what needs to go if I'm going to replace it? That type of thing. Yeah, right. um, I think also, um, who was also a bit of an inspiration to me was um, Chris Gleisner. Uh, several years ago, talking to her, she has actually no plastic in her bathroom at all. Mm. 
So she uses things like shampoo bars, conditioner bars, bits of soap, none of that, you know, pump stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, you know, that is quite amazing. You know, when you do look around your house and what plastic you have, it, it is interesting what you can actually do without. Do you think there's some stigma towards people who go full bore into being environmentally <laughs> yeah just people might see you as going I, too far or, or a fanatic or I, I actually don't think that is as much of the case now no I think that's becoming more acceptable behavior yeah, yeah. Um, I think um, and I think well it doesn't really matter if people think you're a bit no, of a nutcase right. because um, I, I would hate, I don't have grandchildren, but I would hate my grandchildren to say to me, if I get them, in the time of, you know, the 2022, what did you do, Grandma, for the environment? It was my generation that had a lot to destroy the planet. Um, and I, I, I certainly think that, uh, you know, I've got a moral obligation to try and do what I can and encourage other people to do what I can. Yeah, sure. It sounds a little bit... Um, Evangelistic, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> well, you're preaching to the converted. <laughs> but what about? Have you ever, either of you, ever experienced that sort of blowback from people when you say, you know, it's important to do this and that? And I don't know. Some. Well, you do a little bit. Yes. Um, I think more the idea of, and again, it's maybe not said outright, but what's one piece of plastic or what's one yeah right that kind of mentality what of what does it really matter it's yeah. just i'm just one person and i think when they don't think about the context in a global sense yeah. one mm. piece of plastic per person is how many billions of pieces of plastic um that's the point they're missing i mm. think but not not as much to do with the fanatic but mm. more mm. apathy i guess yeah yeah sure it's sure. a bit by modeling things uh, look I'll use an example of my family um, I used to always take bottles to return and earn I have very little bottle at home but I used to take my brothers and then I used to take my nieces as well and then after a while my niece and nephew were away and then um, he actually rang me and said where do you take the bottles to I've got some mm-hmm. bottles that I need to get rid of because they're on holidays and I said well you just click on you know returning it and now they take all of their own bottles so i mean that took 18 months worth but it's one little thing yeah Mm. yeah and and like what you were saying before you your experience of your children and coming back Mm. i know my Mm. kids have Mm. i would i i was just thinking of that question for the two of you but i was thinking Mm. yeah i think that's Mm. the same for me my kids were the ones who Mm. came back and said did you know that Mm. yeah (laughs) I've yeah. had so many conversations with girls that I've taught over the years of them saying to me, I've stopped my mum doing this and my dad's mm, now yeah, not right. doing this. And I think, girls, you've got power. Yeah. Yeah. Use what it's you true. know. Go home and influence your family yeah. and show them mm. these things that you've learnt. Just to, to finish off, what would be some of the things that you've done over the years here or some of the things that have happened here that you would be most proud of in terms of sustainability I think seeing the passion in the Enviro girls mm, is right. really rewarding they come every week with their laptops and they're ready to go you know what's the new task and what can we tackle 
and when they get up in assemblies and they share their ideas or what we've done, mm -hmm. it's just, it's so inspiring to mm. see those girls want to make change and then they're so passionate about it. And yeah. like, for me, that's been the most amazing thing. It's quite genuine. Definitely. Yeah. What about you, Sue? I think it's just the changes in, in some of the staff members and I think particularly things like the, the kitchen area that our kitchen at school is now pretty well zero waste. So wow. everything is, you know, sorted out correctly and then, you know, the, the waste of the food is taken, as you know, to rough edges. And I, I think that is just fantastic that, you know, one section of the school can really make a difference because mm. you've got passionate people mm. in there trying to... Um, work on things like that. Yeah, that's yeah. good. So it's yeah. sort of a, a communal mindset mm. Mm. in a way. And I guess mm. that's what you're trying to create. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, again, as Laura said, the passion of the girls is, is it's wonderful to see. You know, they really get very, yeah, very strong about that, angry that's about good. things, and they should be. And it's they good to be. have them in that position because it helps them in terms of leadership too, mm. Right? Mm. in understanding leadership. And they mm. don't have to be... Mm don't have to have a certain title or mm -hmm. whatever, but they mm. can make a difference through mm. through their passions. Right. And, and the one other thing that I think was great, Mayuma has been going now for, I think it's 32 years. Right. And we've had a Mayuma captain for two years, and I just think that is fantastic, yeah. that that's now mm. seen as a leadership as position, yep. as important. Yeah. yeah. What does Mayuma stand for again? Uh, one world, it's Finnish. I hope I've Finnish got that. Finnish for one world. Yeah. Mm. Okay. Mm. If it's wrong, then yeah. We'll Alex we'll Copra, um, <laughs> she was the student um, who had been in Finland, and when she came back to Skeggs in 1990, uh, she said they were doing a lot of recycling and stuff in Finland, and wow. so that's how um, Janet Lane and Angela Pazinger, who was still involved in Mayuma, started off the Mayuma Club, the oh, environment, right. and and the girl in those days, the girls did do a lot of activism too. Yeah, yeah they did go off to strikes because they were on a Saturday. <laughs> Um, yeah, and they, they wrote lots of letters to politicians and things like that, yeah. Yeah, mm. that's great, isn't it? Mm. It's good to have that, that young influence. Mm. Mm. For sure. Particularly as they think about their future. And mm. so. yeah. Well, thank you very much for your time. It's been it's good to have you here. And <laughs> if you've got any more um, <laughs> ideas that you'd like to share with, uh, with Sue or with Laura uh, and what they do or questions for them, or just come and get involved in the conversation about what we do here in terms of sustainability. That would be fabulous. We'd love to hear from you because it's very important. And a lot of the kids are very excited and passionate about the whole cause as well. So it would be great, as we said, having a communal mind or a communal voice around this would be fantastic. Thank you once again for listening. Hope you're all well. Hope to see you soon. Bye.